0: This is on the grid powered by the racetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. everyone and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com of course powered by the race and we also thank our great friends out there at Truck Assist who help us along the way as well and some good truck assist stuff coming up over the next few weeks including a nice little uh, preview of Bathurst with uh, Jack LeBrock next week. Let's get straight into it though we've got uh, plenty to happen. This week we're going to start our preview of Bathurst. We'll do that a little bit later on. Brock Feeney also to join us in just a tick. But before we say day to him, let me say day to these guys, Richard Crail from the Race Talk. Hello, Richard. Hello,
1: Shebex. Excited about chatting to our guests very shortly. You mentioned Brock Feeney, Kumo Super 3 champ, uh, bright young talent of Australian motor racing. We are in a special time with the juniors coming through at the moment, both in that Supercar Series and in Porsche racing. So I'm keen to get his thoughts on Becoming the youngest ever supercar champion, and uh, what lies ahead for a young gold coaster?
0: And Mark Walker, also from the Race Talk, joins us as well. Hello, Mark. Hello, Shebex, It's
1: the exciting time of year. I can't wait to get stuck into this. I love October. It's a great time to be a motorsport fan.
0: Well, boys, joining us on the line now is the 2019 Kumo champion, the Super Three champion. We say good day to Brock Feeney. Good day, Brock. How are you?
2: Good, thank you
0: guys. How are you? Uh, excellent, thank you mate. It's been a couple of weeks now, or uh, just over a weekend actually since uh, you won the championship and what was a fantastic tussle with Jaden Ojeda for that championship. Has it sunk in now? Are you fully aware that you've won a national championship at the big league? Yeah,
1: it's
2: it's started to sink in now, you know. As um, you said, it's been a couple of weeks now, but you know, it was great to celebrate with my whole family and team on that Sunday night, you know. It was, Looking back on I was just so excited, proud of what was done this whole season.
1: Rock, well, you, your season was one of consistency, but I was crunching some numbers today and you didn't actually lead the championship for more than two races in a row until you got to Tail and Bend. So it was your first and then second, third, second, third, and so on. Um, but but consistency was the key to your season, wasn't it? And Was, was that an objective the you going into the year, or was it just the way it played out with the the really competitive nature of the battle this year? Um, it was it was a bit of both
2: actually. You know, obviously you come into the year, it was a bit unknown at the start of the year. You know, there was a lot of new people in the series, and you know, at the start of the year, we we sat down and you know we we wanted to end up winning the championship. It was going to be a big call, um, for sure. There's obviously some really good guys in there, but. You know, we wanted to win the championship and if that meant winning heaps of races, um, that's what it was. But, you know, what we did this year was just keep finishing on the podium and when we've had a bit of a rough day, we still manage those top three or top four finishes. And, you know, looking back on it now, that's that's where we've won the championship. You know, we say we had 12 out of 15 podiums this year. So, it was yeah, it was a great year looking back on it and that consistency paid off in the end and won us the championship. So,
1: Brock, you win the championship the next thing, Roger Penske's on the line. We need you to come testing. <laughs> how, did, how
2: did all that pan out? Yeah, that was pretty cool, you know. When I couldn't believe it. I was like over the absolute moon when I heard that out. Um uh, had, had to go, well, not had to go. I I had the opportunity to test with um, with DGR Team Penske on Monday. Um, so that was the 2020 regulations. And, you know, I was going to just have an opportunity to get back out in the main game car. And, you know, it was just a massive opportunity that they gave me Along with MozTech Engines, that uh, built my engines throughout the year. So they helped me with my engines, and I was able to, um, as they DJ, I run the MozTech Engines as well, was able to give a bit of feedback on next year's engine rules and everything. You know, it was just unbelievable to have that opportunity. You know, after this year, it's just a great reward.
0: So let's clarify something here. Roger Pinsky didn't ring you, did he? No, he didn't. Oh, sure. No. Good to say.
2: I had some other people ringing me, but um, not, yeah, no, not Roger uh, Penske.
0: Just for the sake of accuracy of the program, that's all. I just wanted to throw yeah. that out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 16 years and 11 months old, you're the youngest driver ever to win a Supercar Series, of course, which it is now. The Super 3 Series is under the Supercar banner. Uh, mate, you, yeah. you won, a, you won a, uh, a go-karting national championship, I think, two years ago as well. Did you expect... The the series that you had this year, did you expect things to go the way they went? Because they seemed to be fairly smooth from start to finish.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, it was as I, said, I won the karting a couple of years ago, then moved into the 86s last year, where I had um, competed in the five rounds there. So you know, I didn't have much experience coming into this year, but I was quite confident actually at the start of the year. You know, I had a great team behind me, and I knew that and Paul and everyone. You know, I was able to go to Norwell and learn so much throughout the year. So. You know, at the start of the year, we did want to win the championship. It was going to be a massive ask, and, you know, we knew that throughout the whole year, but we put a lot of hard work in, and yeah, it was, it's great that it paid off because, you know, you get to look back on it and you're really proud of all the work you've put in, and it's finally paid off. So I'm, I'm super excited, and yeah, it was, it was really cool to win that championship.
1: Rob, can, just, just going back to Monday, can, can you give us a bit of an idea about what you got out of that test for you as a driver and, and maybe just, some of the changes that you felt with the drive-by wire throttle and, and things like that was it a noticeable difference? And, and what did you you experience on that Monday? And with, with one of the top teams in the sport.
2: Yeah, as I said, it was it was great to get the call up by them guys to do the test day. Um, I was alongside CVJ for that day, so that was great. Um, got to work with the whole team, which is good. Got to meet a lot of new people, and I got a lot of laps in the car, which was great for me. You know, obviously I did that uh, the co-driver session with Erebus at the start of the year at Winston. And so it was just great to get some more laps in a main game car. You know, I haven't really done much on the Dunlop Pi either. So for me, looking back on it, it was just great to be able to get some more laps in in a main game car. It's obviously, I want to end up there one day. And, you know, it's just great to keep gathering this experience for the future.
1: You've been logging some serious miles lately. If it's not in a Super 3 car or a main game car, you've got your Hyundai XL, and you've been logging a lot of laps there at Norwell. It's all got to help.
2: Yeah, no, it's been awesome. You know, I'm I'm just trying to keep my seat in the bum, uh, my bum in the seat as much as possible. You know, so Paul's been great. Got Norwell out there, so I do heaps of driver training out there. Um, get to go in the cars a lot, which is great. And as I said, I got my XL, which I absolutely love. It's so much fun. I get to go out and go racing and then just enjoy it all the time. So it's been great this year. You know, um, it's been in the seat plenty of times, and it's quiet. It's going to quiet down now. Um. But hopefully I'll be able to get a few races in before the end of the year and then start sorting stuff out the next year.
1: Actually, so you had a run there at uh, Lakeside the other day. How did that go? That's a pretty wild track, I'd imagine. Yeah, for sure. You know, It
2: was my first time racing at Lakeside, actually, as well. and ended up winning the round, which was great. But, you know, it, it, you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, it should be a good weekend. But I rock up and it's just three-way battle. We had a three-way battle in all five races. Never knew who was going to win. And You just have to drive the wheels off the thing and that, that was the best thing about it. That's why I enjoy it so much because I rock up. You don't know who's going to win. It's great competition and the yeah. racing's probably the best I've ever seen. It's just great to be a part of it.
0: I'm loving the fact you're getting to spend some serious hours and some really good time with some good people in the supercars world. Of course, you spend a fair bit of time with Paul Morris. Uh, he's a sponsor of yours and also very much a mentor. And uh, at Sandown also, some great time with uh, you and Anton Di Pasquale and his engineering team at Sandown as well. So uh, fantastic that you guys have been able to to put in some uh, some hours with some good people.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, as you said, Paul Paul's helped me out these parts for the years. You know. uh, about 18 months ago, he told me how to drive the manual car and then helped me all the way out through last year as well with a bit of driver training and that. And we came to him at the start of the year and, you know, we got that 2-3 program underway, which was, it's just great to come into a team with so much experience. And to have Paul on the radio, who's, who's done it all before, experienced all the highs and lows, you know, he was just able to use his experience and um, just help me out throughout this year. And as you were saying, Anton and Mirka, you know, Anton's helped me out all year. Every time I go to a test day, he'd be there. He'd be able to help me out with my driving. Able to baseline the car and give his feedback on everything. And we had Mirko come along and help us out at Sandown as well, you know, which is great. It's just, just great to get an understanding of how they work in the main series and then also be able to come and help me out on a Super 3 weekend.
1: Brock, is there one thing you can get out of or you've gotten out of working with Paul this year? he's I mean, forging a quite a reputation as driver coach of the Stars, but what are you getting out of it in particular? Is there one area that you've found that he's been very valuable for you or is it is it more a broad overview of driving as a whole? But can you pinpoint one or two things down that that you've gone, wow, I actually I really got something out of what he's just told me or just coached me?
2: Yeah, you know, like he taught me how to drive. So basically everything that I've learned in a car has been because of him at the moment. So, you know, so he's taught me everything yeah. on the way through. He's taught me how to change gears and all that stuff. So it all started back with Paul, the start of last year but you know, this year I've been working obviously racing in his team, and, you know, he's, he's on the radio with me, and it just keeps me really calm. You know, when I've got someone on the radio that's telling you what's going on, he's a racer himself, so he knows what's going on on and off the track, and he's able to explain that to me really well. So, you know, when I'm in the car and trying to do my hardest, that able keep me calm and, you know, just keep me focused on what we were doing, which was really important at Sandown. You know, we're trying to win a championship, and he was great on the radio, kept me calm through all the races. and in that final race as well just we had an objective and that was to win the championship and he just kept me in the uh, kept me in a good focus of mind.
1: So is it really the dude or is it Robbo the whisperer up there at Norwell, yeah. Steve Robinson, he's a bit of a guru up there. Has he had much input along the way?
2: Yeah, yeah, Robbo's been great, you know. Paul Paul started me a bit and then he's kind of just floated in now and you know, Robbo's taught me a lot over the past year, especially and we we're doing the age of sixes there last year. He helped me out a lot. You know, he's a, he's the king around Nola, as they say, Rubber the is straight around there, especially in the age of sixes. And you know, it's a bit of both. They kind of float in and out. They've both been great for me, and now I kind of help out Rubber a bit with the super school and a bit of driver training up there as well. So, just been great to hang out with those guys who've got so much experience in this racing game.
0: You're very much a Gold Coast boy, and uh, you've got a lot of support from the Gold Coast area in regards to, to your racing as well. And I wish you had been around ten years ago when I was trying to get out of a bloody timeshare situation, but yeah. unfortunately <laughs> you, you weren't.
2: Yeah, no, it's great. You know, I got some great support up here. You know, extra timeshare come on board. They helped me out last year in the eight sisters as well, and you know, they started a new business, which has been great to represent them this year. And, you know, they're big motorsport fans, so it's just great. They'll come into all the rounds this year, so, you know, it's a hard game to try and find sponsors in this, and, you know, whatever you can get always helps out. And to have these guys come on board this year, was it was unbelievable, and it was just great to have them a part of the journey.
1: Uh, Super Three's become a, a, a really valuable step in the in the ladder to climb to supercars, um, and, and it certainly worked, I think, for you, and indeed a couple of the former champions as well, getting you in the limelight and, uh, showing you what you can do or showing people what you can do in a supercar. What What's step two? Have you sat down and mapped out a plan about where you go or are you playing things by you at the moment? It's Kind of a bit of both. You know, um, the whole goal this year was to focus on Super 3. You know, it ended
2: in September, so we've still got plenty of time to think about it. Obviously, we've we won the Super 3 championship and, you know, look what's next at Super 2. So... We'll be trying our hardest to get getting Super Two next year. Um, Super 3, Super 2, and then there's main game. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty good plan, um, what Supercars have got in place at the moment. So I'm hoping to be able to progress through Super 3 and Super 2 and um, hopefully end up in main game. So, yeah, if I could end up in Super 2 next year, that'd be great. Um, gain some more experience, learn some new tracks, and hopefully down the track end up in the main series.
1: And the word on the street is that you are the boss at Slideways Go Karting for just going up there and schooling everyone. Is this true? Wow, well, you, could, you could
2: say that. I do, I do go there a lot. Every, every time someone comes up to know it, they're like, oh, when are we going to Slideways? When are we going to Slideways?
0: I'm like, yeah, mate, I got you covered with that. <laughs> no, I, I hope I hope they're sponsors of you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah,
0: no, yeah.
1: We need to sort something out. Come on.
2: Oh, What's
0: happening? I'm having too much
2: money there. <laughs> yeah, rotto.
1: It's at this point we should point out that Mark Walker is the marketing manager for
2: Slideway. Exactly. So, that, you know, we,
1: <laughs> I got
2: some shade for my car. <laughs> I
1: like
0: it. <laughs> don't worry, I'll be sending hey, him, um, I'll be sending him an invoice for the ad as well for this uh, show too. So don't worry about that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <you> no, <know>, but that's <laughs> fair. I've got nothing more, mate. It, it was it was me going to watch you race racing Super Three this year. It was such a cool championship and the way it unfolded and the lead, the championship lead changed eight times over the 15 races so it was just this amazing battle from year one so you did a mega job mate to win it under that under that immense pressure and season long pressure that never really relented
2: yeah no it was great you know the competition this year was really strong you know as soon as we started at phillip island you know there was was good five six really competitive guys and that stayed out throughout the whole year and it was great to come out on top at the end you know look back on it and just really proud of what we achieved throughout the year and as you said, there were so many championship lead changes that once we kind of got to Taylor Bend and got that lead, you know, we aimed to keep that for the last round and that's what we did. And it was just just really cool to come out on top and it was a great experience this season. Super, super happy that I did this this year and um, look forward to gaining more experience in the future. Mega job.
0: Brock, the final one from me uh, schooling at the moment, obviously, motor racing is where you want your career to go and that's fantastic. Are you doing a, a special sort of uh, schooling situation where you're doing mechanical work or, or stuff at school. Is, is that going around with you?
2: Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, I'm in 11 at school, actually starting year 12 um, in this next term coming up at the moment, but I do a school-based apprenticeship as a mechanic, so I'm working at Norwell every Friday, um, so I'm out there just learning a bit of you know what, what's under me in the car, and it's given me a bit of a backup plan as well, so... I'm able to gain a bit more experience of the cars that are under me. And it, it also helps as when we were saying I go racing XLs on the weekend. You know, I can mechanic on my own car now. Just have a good understanding of what's going on around me. And, um, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a good – earn. it's just good, good to learn more stuff about the car. And I'm enjoying it as well. So that's really cool.
0: Oh, mate, I can safely say that if my head was screwed on as yours when I was 16 and 11 months, things might have been a little bit different <laughs> in life for me. Well done, mate. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, thanks very much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you there. Brock Feeney joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. As we continue On The Grid this week, as we said last week, we we're going to have a, a fairly serious look over the next couple of weeks at what promises to be a an amazing 2019 Bathurst, I just don't think boys it's going to be as simple as saying the number 17 car is going to win Bathurst just doesn't do that
1: No it doesn't Chevex um, and, and that's, that's not the way the race plays out and, and you know if, if it worked that way Scotty would have won it two years ago when he did the 3-8 in quality but um, I, I think as we've touched on before what we will see is, is an uninhibited run from from DJR Penske, especially Car 17 because With that massive lead in the championship, there's just no... There's really nothing to lose. I mean, they DNF, they could lose 300 points, but he's still got 300 up his sleeve, even if that happens, and if the car closest to him in the championship wins. So, um, for me, that's going to be one of the big storylines, is just how hard do those guys go, Um, and and then what role the co-driver plays. And by all reports, Alex, aside from having brake failure and firing the thing off the road, QR and a test day earlier this week while well, reports Alex was, was quickly up to speed again, um, but in the heat of battle in the co-driver CARP against Garth Tander and Craig Lowndes for example, how will he go? Uh, and I, I think that's the big question mark hanging over Car 17 with the fullest of respect to, to Frenchie but um, yeah man, it's just interesting, it, it's amazing how quickly this has rattled around, even without the Sandown 500 Just, um, just it's already October and we're all ready to go and I'm Looking forward to it, Rich. Uh, I started to get a bit keen this evening before we've uh, recorded this podcast, getting in there, looking at the program of events, sorting out the what we're doing with photo-wise on the race talk, and uh, getting a bit excited about it all. Then I went and looked at the long long-range weather forecast: rain no. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. As
0: no. so we've
1: seen this before. Twelve months ago, we had the exact yeah. same scenario, and it made just the, the whole weekend a bit of a fast because. No one had any dry track running at all mm-hmm. leading into the qualifying, so that was the first dry track running of the weekend. And then come race day, it was oh, well, we've got to do this, we've got to run. So yeah, I don't personally like that, that weather outlook. Uh, if we get a repeat of what happened last year, but it's something that we're going to have to deal with come race weekend. So well, that's going to definitely throw a curveball out there for everyone, especially coming into this event without having that sand down under our belt. And that that always will throw another variable in with the aero changes that have been going on. And if it's wet, if it's wet all weekend in the lead up to the race, so the Mustang's never been there, but we know it'll be quick. The, the Commodore's had reasonably significant aero changes before Portcoy, but they've never had them at Bathurst before, and they don't know what reaction that's going to have. And they've been tweaking the Nissan all year, so you just no one's going to have an absolute clue going into Sunday, and but they'll have less of a clue than they usually do, um, like they did last year. So that makes a form guide
0: particularly difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. It's going to be a very interesting weekend, if that is the case. Also, uh, today, boys, we had the uh, official finalisation of the co-driver list, with Jonathan Webb being put out there as the uh, co-driver for Jack LeBrock in the uh, Techno Autosport Truck Assist car I suppose no real surprises at this point in time that Jono was going to take that seat, Richard?
1: Uh, no. They, they, they left it late, didn't they? I don't, I don't know why it wasn't confirmed earlier. And uh, I wonder if there were attempts to get another driver in that car outside of, of Webby driving. But um, you'd have to say they're probably a bit underprepared. And they, they haven't tested, best of my knowledge, anyway. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, uh, Webby's been there before. He's won the race. Uh, knows how to drive one of those cars, and um, with with huge specialist experience in particular, that will help him going in without having that warm up event. Um, but having not sat in a race car, as far as I'm aware, for 12 months, um, that's going to be a, a fairly big leap for for Jonathan. But um, yeah, at least the grid's all set now. The other thing I'm really looking forward to is how the Yanks are going to go in the the wild card from. Walking to Andretti United and by Yanks I mean the American and the Canadian because uh, they're, as we speak, currently at Winton and we'll still be at Winton when we go to, when we get published uh, for Thursday morning because they've got three days banging around there with, with a couple of those dedicated injury test days for James Sintercliffe and Alex Rossi. Um, Rossi in the media on Tuesday night talking about uh, adapting to the car and how he actually found it in some respects quite similar to an car, with the understeer balance that the cars have got and getting his head around it. Um, but, Mark, I think it's safe to say that the, this wildcard thing is already working because just the interactions on social media straight away have been significant. And there's big people tweeting about the fact that these guys are doing the race, making jokes about the fact that Intercliffe's in Rossi's usual Napa race suit. And, like, already the reach has been pretty decent. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works next week and we'll get the full extent of it at Mount Panorama. Yeah, there's one thing cutting cash laps around Winton and being confident about yourself, then you lob up the backers and... Like, yeah, it's a bit different, mate. You'll be right. <laughs> um Dr. it. The brothers, you know, brothers, the other wildcard, really flying under the radar. I think they could really pull out a solid result. They've been doing really good things. They've got some smart people in their camp uh, on their super two side so i think with uh, a good car under them a couple of the drivers there who are capable of pulling out quick lap times they could really uh do something i mean on the race trip, we had an analysis there of all the wildcard entries and there's been some really good attempts in recent times like you look back at the super black racing car they mm. were right there in the top 10 right in the middle of it, uh 2014 i mean albeit that was a pretty crazy race but They were on for a a top 10 result there for a long, long time deep into the race. And then you look back to the Andy Prio, uh, Matthias Ekstrom, Triple Eight entry from 2013. So, I mean, there's been some good wildcards in there that have been able to pull off some decent results. And and I think we're overdue for a crazy race. I just Mm. feel it's going to be a crazy race because there's no lead-in, you know, if it's going to be wet practice, they're just going to all come into this uh, race back fresh, and it has all the ingredients there to be a bit of a crazy one. So I, I think absolutely anyone's in this. You just have to be there speculating on the lead like near the finish.
0: Yeah, let's hope that it is a, a crazy race because uh, it does definitely put out some uh, fantastic different levels of craziness, doesn't it, uh, from having an hour's gap for lunch while track repaired <laughs> to – so many different things that have happened that can come under the term of crazy at Bathurst
1: yeah 2014, i will stay with everyone for a long time and in particular what we were doing calling it as well but um yeah it, it, it's going to be fascinating I, it was It was good to know that there were a few people talking up a, a record pace and put it going to six hours for the first time. But I tend to agree with mark that i I think there'll be a few more safety cars this year, there are only four last year which is why it was the quickest ever great race Um, I I don't think that will be the case this year and even though there's only 26 cars um, I think there's enough variables in the field and variables in the driver combinations um, to just throw it wide open and and yeah I I tend to agree that there'll be some drama especially if we go into it with some rain in the lead up and people not having a good handle on cars that are already quite difficult to drive in, in various circumstances we've seen how a lot of the field have been battling this year. So that'll be good. What what do we think about some of the Smokies, though, boys? And we'll we'll do a full preview next week. But uh, do you feel like there's a a real opportunity this year for a team like Brad Jones Racing to pull a really, really big result with one of their three cars? What do you think? They're capable, aren't they? I mean, they're either really hot or... Sometimes they're just completely cold back there, don't they? I mean, it just depends if they get out of the right side of the bed early in the weekend. I and mean, then you look last year and you know, that drama's early. And just It just depends how you just unload and, and where the drivers are at. And if they can get away cleanly and get some confidence up in those early practice sessions, seven practices this year. So there's an additional practice session. Essentially the, the last practice session has been split in two. So, the session prior to the top 10 shootout is a co-driver only session so that's a bit weird I think Mm. you're going to have uh, normally you'd have that last practice session last bit your top 10 drivers that'll head out later in the afternoon and be out there just belting around practice shootout laps but it's going to be the co-drivers in there for that last half hour run so I think that's a weird one I would have put it the other way around I would have had the co-drivers in the morning session and then the main drivers there in that last practice so yeah, I think that's going to make things interesting as well. I am going to say that I, I actually don't mind that, Mark, because I, I, I think it just adds more variables to the shootout. And, and if you're the main... So let's say, let's use Car 17. If you're Scott McLaughlin, you run in the morning um, and you make the shootout, you know you're in. Uh, it, 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 the car you dial in in the morning isn't going to be the car you run in the shootout because the conditions are so different because the shootout's now so late on a Saturday afternoon and the track condition changes so much. And it's not like you're going to put, with the greatest of respect, Alex Premat out with a a shootout set up because he's not going to be the one qualifying the car. So if anything, it just throws some more variables at it, which I don't mind. As much as we love a shootout, I don't mind a bit more unpredictability. And we love a shootout like last year where the Erebus cars did the business late in the day um, and, did such a fantastic job. So, yeah, know, I, I don't mind that. It's interesting. I'm not a massive fan of more practice, though, but at any other track other than Bathurst. Bathurst, you can probably, probably cope with it. But there is a lot of running before they get to the serious stuff, isn't there? Yeah, certainly. Oh, bring back Wednesday. Bring back Wednesday running. Come on. Well, I'll bring back the, the media test day in September or August whenever they used to do it, I reckon. Mm.
0: There you go. Hey, uh, just of those, uh, of those under, undervalued cars, well, that's probably not the word I'm looking for, but cars that probably you wouldn't think of much. I reckon that combination of Mark Winterbottom and Steve Richards in the Irwin car has to be one of the better combinations, top five at least. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd buy that. You just can't undervalue the amount of experience and the amount of work that Steve Richards brings into that car.
1: Completely. And and Frosty's a former winner. And, and look, on their day, that team have been a top five or top six contender this season. So it's not like they've been out of contention all year long. And they may be one of those teams that just rocked up. And for whatever reason that the mountain bestows on you, go quickly all weekend long. Or they could creep up on it and be nowhere all weekend and end up in the top three or four at the end of Sunday if we have a mad race. Um, but, but that's the kind of place it is and that's the kind of race. But I just keep coming back to the fact that experience is going to be such a key thing this year, given the lack of a warm-up, especially for the co-drivers. And I reckon they're the deciding factor this year. And that's why the Red Bull cars look so good. That's why Winterbottom has to be within a hope, because he's got Stevie Richards. He's done so many laps. And um, Chaz Mostert and James Moffat. Like, that's a terrific combination. We'll go through them all next week. But, uh, yeah. So many variables, I like it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think my smoky there, guys, my smoky would have to be the Dex Filey Will Brown car. I yeah. I don't know what it is. I just like it because they 'cause they're gonna fly under the radar, they're gonna give you some good odds at the tad, but you know, they're the sort of team that will, will be there at the end of the day, I reckon. Imagine well, Will Brown winning batteries.
0: Yeah. And and remind good me party. guys remind me guys twelve months ago, it was a car that actually was a bit of a chance until towards the end.
1: Well, both Erebus cars were, were good last year, weren't yeah. they? So, yeah, um, and that, for whatever reason, for the last two years, that team have been arguably the best at Mount Panorama. They won it two years ago, should have won it last year. Um, yeah, absolutely. And they, they're going all right this season. So, yep, it's uh, it's a good thing.
0: It's a real good thing. Uh, another good thing was uh, out on the Race Talk Facebook, of course, uh, on the grid powered by the Race Talk, we uh, put out and asked our... Uh, readers and, and listeners to give us some questions about what they want to know more about Bathurst. And Crouse, you got a little compilation of those.
1: Yeah, I do. And the first one that I'll, I'll spring to you two gentlemen is from uh, a, a colleague of ours in a way, actually races John Bykhoff, who uh, raced the AU Falcon at Queensland Raceway in Kumo Super 3 and did a really good job despite a few niggling dramas. Um, but he wants to know what were the golden years quote-unquote, of the Group A, V8 Supercar Supercars era. So, 93 onwards. What what, are we, what do we like the most based on the quality of the racing, on-track battles action, and general appeal of the category? What do you reckon, boys? I think 2003, 04, 05, maybe dribbling into 06. Okay. okay. There were just big, big names, big stars going at it. There was so much niggle, wasn't there? There was yeah. just genuine personalities not liking each other, racing so, so hard. I just uh, love that little era. You know, you look at 93. Ford had gone so long without a championship win, and here came Ambrose and got the job done. You had to shake at the creek. I, the drama of that day at Eastern Creek with Rick Murphy pulling out with his sore back, and, and I think that was peak supercars for my liking.
0: Yeah, it- I think that's the big thing, hasn't it, with Bathurst is being the battles and the, it's not just the cars and the personalities. And I think um, we have a, a little closed uh, group that we mentioned things together on, on Messenger. and the like. I think I said that the other day. We've got to just realise now that this is and it always will be. And no matter how many times we try to add new manufacturers into supercars, it is a Holden versus Ford category, isn't it? And, yeah, it and it's not going to be. It's never going to be anything else. And and the best battles have always come between those two manufacturers. Yeah, sure, we had you know some uh, some Volvos and we've had some BMWs and and a, a few different cars racing. But at the end of the day, the best battles of Bathurst have been between those two categories. And 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 the personalities that then you throw in there, and it becomes a really great talking point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't don't disagree with that. I I'd take a slightly different approach, and while I agree that that era Mark mentioned was terrific, from a, a car point of view, my favourite time was ninety four, five, six, seven. Um, they were really simple. They were cool race cars. They were they were simple. They had probably a quarter of the downforce and aero they've got today. They had a bit of tyre competition before Bridgestone, as it was at the time, came in as the control, tyre supply, I really like that. Um, You know, one one car would be good at one place, another good somewhere else. But the race cars were, I I just loved that era of the touring car and the way those cars were. Very simple, a lot of horsepower. They moved around much more than the current cars do. And it was the last of the great era of the legends, of of Brock, of Mm -hmm. Perkins, Johnson, of Bow, of Scaife, of Jimmy Richards. Um, and and I'm was... probably parochial to that because I—that's the era I grew up as a kid watching when I could really comprehend it, mate.
0: And it was the start of the new era, wasn't it? Of the young kids coming through, the Lowndes, Greg Murphy's, and those sort of blokes.
1: Yeah, yeah, right on the end of that, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so for mine, that was probably—that was probably peak. If you could have the depth of competition that we've got today in those cars, that would be something to behold, I reckon. It would be a really good show.
0: Spot on. Next question. Uh, Okay. Um, Well, well, this
1: sort of uh, of flows on to that, and it's sort of a philosophical question. How strong are the rose-tinted glasses of a lot of fans? And uh, There are a lot of fans who look at it fairly one-eyed still, which I think is great, because we want that passion. Uh, Will the same people be complaining about CJRCP and Triple Eight domination are the ones happily enjoying stories of Brock winning by six laps? So I suppose it's Do we look on the history of the sport with rose-coloured glasses too much and when we've got such a competitive era? Or is it these people complaining about the domination of one team or this year Scott McLaughlin? um, Are they the same ones that go back and cheer about how cool it was when Brock won by six laps or Godzilla dominated in the early 90s? Well, Rich, how did people complain before the internet was invented? That's a very good question. <laughs> they picked oh, I up the phone. They picked up
0: the phone. Letter
1: to the editor, the uh, to the editor in, in which case only four or five would ever be published. And The thing is, you can go back on YouTube and watch any era of any motorsport you like, and most of the time, it, 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 isn't, it isn't what you remember. You know, you look back at, some of these heroes like i've been watching a bit of the old group c touring car stuff that's uh, flooding around out there like the cars were unreliable there was so much politics like if you don't like the politics in modern day racing cars definitely don't watch group c touring cars They're do your head in and, and you had these absolute dominant people you had brock out there smoking everyone you had Ricky johnson on his day with uh, return serve, but it wasn't the depth there. you know, okay, the cars were cool and it's a throwback, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're pretty lucky the way that we've got things right now. Mm.
0: Yeah, agreed with that. I think we are really lucky the way, uh, and we, we've got, while we have a domination at the moment and we're getting that with the car 17 and we've sort of seen a little bit of that, I suppose, with uh triple eight over the last few years, we still get pretty exciting racing, to the extent where you know, you go to most race weekends and you're not 100% sure that someone's going to win that fairly handsomely. And, and Bathurst would be the same. We go into this weekend yeah. at Bathurst not knowing, honestly, who's going to get over that line. We all think it could be the 17 car and the fact that, you know, McLaughlin and Premat, great drivers, McLaughlin going fantastic, the team going well. But it's Bathurst. Yeah. It, 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 there's no prediction. Yeah,
1: and I, 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 I think people referring to this year, we're in a special year, right? This, this is a year that there are five other blokes driving Ford Mustangs and another one driving a, a Shell V-Power Ford that could be beating Scott McLaughlin, but they're not. So yeah. whether it's a car or team domination, one or another, we're watching something really special. I, I think motor racing history is fantastic and, and motorsport history has is so rich and there's so many great stories, but sport's always better when you live it live. Um, and even Shebeck, I, I reckon if you go and watch this year's AFL Grand Final back in five years' time, you'll yeah. go, well, Great Richmond won, but gee, it was a rubbish game of football. Yeah. So, well, maybe that's a bad example. Yeah. This is probably wouldn't. <laughs> but, um, but, but I, yeah, I, I think we need to appreciate the history for what it is. And then... Um, but just appreciate what we've got at the moment and and how competitive it actually
0: is. I know exactly exactly what you're saying, but this is so different to a championship. How many motor racing championships are won by teams that don't deserve them? Motor racing championships, a year-long championship, are won by the best team with the best car with the best driver invariably. Normally, that's the way it turns out. But this one race... are you saying Richmond didn't deserve to win the Mayfield oh, premiership? No, no, this year? no, but no, that's what I'm saying. They, <laughs> they, they were the best team for the entire year. Yeah. So at the end of the day, they turn out to be the best team. But Bathurst is so different because the the most prepared team, the best team with the best car with the best driver, doesn't necessarily win Bathurst. So many variables mm. can come into fact that that you know rain, walls, whatever, blowing tires, whatever it might be. So many things can happen on that one race day that anybody can win. And it's not just, yeah, you know, it's not just a, a predictable thing.
1: Yeah, agreed. Now, I think we've got time for one more quick run, And yep. this, is, this is more forward thinking. Uh, and it's from our mate, Dave McCowan, who's a terrific motor racing and motorsports and motoring journalist. Uh, what time will S5000 do at Mount Panorama when they race there next mm. year? I like this question. I've actually put quite a lot of brain power into that, as you may, that may not surprise you to know.
0: Well, can I, can I? I think it's um, that's,
1: that's going to be crazy, be. It well, is. I, and I just wanted to refer, I wanted to, can I it, defer to
0: Richard Mark because he has put some yep. time into this. I want to know, give us a number that you think. Is it sub two minutes?
1: Yeah, I see, I, I put some thought into it. So, what we learned from Sandown, and Sandown is a very small sample size, and we'll know more when they run it the Tail and Bend because that's a much more representative circuit with high and mid-speed corners, stand down two drag straights and some slow corners. So, but I don't think they're going to be as quick as people are already portraying them to be. And I've seen some ridiculous numbers there of, of one minute 48s and things like oh, that. Geez. No way. I don't reckon they're going to be much quicker than a GT3 car at Bathurst. So they've got less aero than a Formula 3 car. Uh, and a Formula 3 car is about as quick across the top of the mountain as a GT3 car is. Um, They've got a rock-hard tyre, so they move around a lot. So across the top of the mountain, they are going to be unbelievably good fun to watch and really hairy. They're going to be really quick going up the hill and they'll be very quick going down it, but there's only a max gearing you're going to have, so it's not like they're going to be doing 350 k now. I reckon a really well set-up, well-driven car by the end of the weekend might be doing 58 or 59. And for mine, I don't think that's too fast at Bathurst. Now, I could be wrong, and they may go quicker, but I I reckon you make all your time up across the top of Mount Panorama, and I don't think they're going to be as fast as people think they're going to be. It's not like they're a GP2 car. In fact, they're talking about LMP3 cars being part of that weekend, and from where they come from, I don't know. But I, I would put money on an LMP3 car being quicker on a lap at Mount Panorama than, a, than an S5000. There you go. Kind of, it kind of scares me. Like for the longest time, these sort of cars were banned from back there because it's just so sketchy. Yes. Like, can you imagine these things getting a bit of air going up those? Humps? Like, oh, oh it does matter. No. I'm, I'm, I'm frightened about that because no, no you know, I remember the the their problems. <laughs> But just, yeah, well, who knows? But, you know, you look at that McLaren F1 car going around there and they had to drive it down either side of the, the crown on the road because it really unsettle a car. And oh, Yeah, whatever. Good luck. Yeah. it's a, the, yes. the bottom line is it's, a, it's an F3 car. Um, and and we, we ran F3 cars there successfully for several years. And, yes, this has got 400 more horsepower than one of those things. But... But fundamentally, from a chassis point of view, there's not a lot of difference to what to the McGales and the Dolaras that, that last ran there in 2014 15. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty content they're going to be okay. Look, I mean, it's going to be exciting. Full so, so credit for the camps to let it happen because, um, in the risk averse world, they'd be very justified in their own minds to go, nah, we're not going to do that. But, but I, I just applaud whoever made the call to make it happen. I I applaud them for making it happen because I think it could be something unbelievably cool.
0: Is it too late to work out for Alexander Rossi to actually take one of these things around up there this year?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Damn.
0: I'd love to have seen that. Probably more politics involved as well. She's actually getting
1: one of those things running at the 1000 weekend. But uh, look, it would not surprise me in the slightest if there is some international participation in that series not just for the full year Grand Prix especially but Baptist as well every international championship is done by December so um, yeah I, I wouldn't shock me at all if there's and there's some big names that pop out and run at that just for the, the opportunity to do it
0: all right boys that pretty much wraps us up a nice little show we're going to go more in depth into the cars and the uh, the drivers next week as we look at how we think the Bathurst 1000 is going to pan out for 2019. But a nice little uh, taste and a nice little entree to next week, boys. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, we'll catch up again next Tuesday when we uh, when we meet and post on Wednesday. And uh, while it's out there in the internet, we'll be flying up there and getting to our house and getting ready for what promises to be a massive weekend, I'm sure. Can't wait. It's one
1: of the best weeks of the year, boys. Uh, it's going to be a very, very cool weekend, I'm sure. Pack
0: those, perhaps. Yeah, pack them now. See you, guys. Ciao. Mark yes. Walker and Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. So there you have it, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the CAD Once again, thanks to our great friends at theracetalk.com and also Truck Assist for their help as well. Back next week with a big preview of the Bathurst 1000. And don't forget also, as we did last year, this year as well, from Thursday right through until Sunday, On The Grid will be live, live to an extent, but we'll be throwing up regular updates after all the practice sessions, after whatever you might see out there in regards to supercars at Bathurst. We'll be coming on and telling you how it all went. And then hourly updates Throughout the big race itself. If you can't be near a TV, if you can't get to Bathurst, then all you need to do is tune into our uh, hourly updates and we'll keep you up to date with what is exactly happening and has been happening up there on the mountain. All that to come next week, right here on mypodcasthouse.com.